it took me a while. I'd say it took me a good four years to really kind of get out of that mindset of my entire identity was wrapped up in being a professional baseball player and um, this all about me attitude um, that the world revolved around me. And it wasn't until probably that I went to great, I went to grad school to get my MBA at Notre Dame where I began to start kind of opening my eyes to a lot of different things. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help busy people reclaim good practices for faith and life. Here's your host, Tony Meltenberger. Hey everybody, welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony and I'm excited to bring you today's conversation with Mike Matil. Mike is a friend of mine and we've known each other for over a decade. And in that time period, I've got to learn a little bit about his story that we are going to share with you today. Mike was drafted by the Expos. He had uh, an illustrious baseball career that ended way too soon and eventually moved into the business circle. So now he serves as a business uh, owner and leader. He serves as a Christian businessman. In our conversation, we talk about his Catholic faith, how that plays out in his work. He talks about the tension of being a Christian business owner. He also talks about what it means to work with family. See, Mike's family, the Matil family, is an incredible force in the Dayton area. They're a philanthropic uh, group of people. They've done so much as leaders for the entire city. It's a great conversation with Mike Matil. So I hope you enjoy it. If you would, the best compliment you can give me is to leave a review on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. It'll help get the word out for future conversations. In the meantime, enjoy my conversation with Mike Mattel. Mike, how are you this morning, sir? I'm doing well, Tony. How are you? Very good. So, Mike, for those of you that uh, may not, uh, for those of you out there who may not know Mike, can you give us a little bit about yourself, kind of the Reader's Digest version of your your story? Well, I'll do my best. Um, So, first and foremost, I'm uh, a uh, husband of uh, 27 years. Wow, congratulations. I'm a father of four, which you know the four of them. Uh, Three of them are in college, one in high school. Does that feel weird? It does feel weird. One's graduating this year, so it's uh, you'll you'll see that that happens very quickly. I think Connor turned uh, thirteen yesterday, right? Thirteen yesterday. It's inc- I mean, it just blows my mind. Yeah, it goes fast. So uh, I'm a Catholic man. Been through Catholic schools my whole life, uh, and uh, and proud and honored to be so, and um, and uh, businessman. Uh, I, I'm saying I'm, I'm a reformed uh, professional athlete um, where I've, I've I've probably learned more after uh, I've been out of athletics than before. So uh, now I've never heard that term before. Reformed professional athlete. What is that? Yeah. Well, Give some lights to that. Yeah. And I, th- I think uh, I think professional athletes, especially in today's society, have this uh, have this kind of it's all about me attitude and. Yeah. You know, I'd say it takes a while to get out of that um, because, you know, your whole world is dedicated around just you and everything that you do. Your entire family is your entire ecosystem is. And so when when it's all about you, you get kind of an ego complex. And so I think professional athletes today don't really live in the real world about how to interact and how to, um, you know, and how to be the best version of themselves around other people. And so I I said it took me a while to kind of get out of that and kind of back into it isn't all about me. It's more about other people. 
So, so how, how many years did you, because uh, you were a professional baseball player, how many years did you play baseball, and then how long do you think it took you to get out of it? Yeah, I played I played uh, six and a half years of pro ball, but of course, you know, I went to college and played, and played in high school, and played in Little League, and since I was sure. five years old, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and uh, I was able to realize that, so in 1990, I was drafted by the Expos out of Wright State University, and uh, went uh, two and a half years later. I'm on the 40-man roster with the Expos, knocking on the doorstep, and then I ended up having some some arm injuries. Uh, I was a right-handed pitcher, so um, you know uh, it doesn't take long for for you for a prospect to become a suspect because you've got lots of different uh, uh, younger athletes coming in behind you, and so if you can't throw, there's other guys that can, and so. Um, you know, six and a half years later and a couple arm surgeries, I kind of decided, you know, I'm probably going to spend more time on the disabled list than I would actually on the field. So it's probably a good time to retire. So that was 1996 and Lauren was being born that year. And, uh, and she's your oldest. My oldest, yeah. She's, your oldest. So, she's graduating from college this year. Yeah, that's, that's why I said it goes quick. That's nutty. Yeah. And so... You know, I you know I had a plan A. I didn't have a plan B. So it took me a while. I'd say it took me a good four years to really kind of get out of that mindset of my entire identity was wrapped up in being a professional baseball player and um, this all about me attitude um, that the world revolved around me. And it wasn't until probably that I went to great. I went to grad school to get my MBA at Notre Dame, where I began to start kind of opening my eyes to a lot of different things. Uh, and then, of course, after I after I uh, graduated, I, I bought a business and ran that and and it's kind of been on the business track and and uh, been involved in helping our family uh, continue to, you know, continue to grow as a family, to give as a family and, and to unite as a family. So th- those are that's kind of what I've been you know, doing post, um, but it does, it takes you a little bit, a little bit of time, because uh, the world isn't set up, that environment isn't set up for you to um, have to worry about a lot of the other things. I mean, you don't even carry your own bags, right? I mean, it, people take them to your hotel room and all, it's just not reality. Right? It's just so different than what yeah. the majority of the world ever experiences. Exactly. So. Now, you, you uh, kind of already indicated that you grew up Catholic and faith has always been a big part of your life as for at least as long as I've known you. And um, h- how does the dichotomy of faith and the world revolving around you and baseball, h- how does that work? How do you live into your faith while you're trying to be a professional athlete? Because in some ways it feels like they're uh, in opposition of each other. And I imagine for a lot of people out there, they they feel like their faith and their business and their life, their dream don't go well together. How, how did you manage that? Yeah, I was thinking about that um, a couple of days ago as I was kind of um, preparing for, you know, these comments, you know, and I kind of separate them. You know, there's spirituality and faith, and then there's religion, you know, and I think sure. religion, religion gives us a structure in which to, you know, in which to uh, engage, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that certainly early on, you know, the, during the formation of my faith and the formation of my religion, not only Catholic schools, but my parents were very instrumental in forming that foundation. I would say during, you know, those baseball years or during those years, it was all about me. I still went to church. So it was the religion part of the Catholic church that 
kept me structured, right? Yeah. It, you know, and that was important because I didn't really want to really con- concern myself too much with faith and spirituality. But the but the religion part, the structure, uh, the going to church, right? The going to reconciliation, th- those kind of things, you know, Lent and Christmas and those, those things kept me grounded in my religion. And I think without that grounding, I think I could have gotten off off path. I think it wasn't until later I started having kids and 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 started taking them to church when I really began to start kind of expanding out of that you know Catholic religion to more of a Catholic faith or more of a Christian faith type of mentality. And of course now you know that you know I've got you know you as a kind of a, a person that I talk to from a spiritual direction perspective. I've got priests. I've got Lutheran pastors. I've got yeah, you're well diversified. Or uh, because I, I believe that there's more to learn, right? There's there's more aspects to things and, and I don't think spirituality and your faith and your and your relationship with you know, with God is, is about all driven into a religion, you know. Oh what uh, I love about what you're saying yeah. there, Mike, is is that I think so many people uh in today's world say I'm I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. But what I what I hear you saying in your story is that being religious is probably what kept you from going off the rails. No question. There's no question. And I would tell you that there's a lot of guys that I played with um, and you, you know, the the public only hears the 10 percent of the jerks out there. Right. Right. The 90 percent of the guys that I played with were quality human beings. And I would tell you, they'd probably say the exact same thing. It was. You know, I even even during baseball, I went to baseball chapel um, and baseball chapel is a kind of a non-denominational Christian type of affiliation. Sure. But I went there because it was structure, right? It was it was structure and it allowed me to create an environment of people that I wanted to be around. And so I, I think you're exactly right. This this well, people say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I don't know how you have. I don't know how you conduct yourself in that environment because you need the structure piece unless you're going to create that structure for yourself. So why do you have a why do you have a sanctuary? Why do you have Sunday service, you know, at restoration? Why does the Catholic Church have its, yeah. you know, because it's structure. People need structure. Um and I think that is the gateway towards uh exploring your spirituality, exploring your faith, exploring, you know, your relationship with God. And so having the that foundation i think is just it's it's paramount so you're exactly right so um it, it's been really forming for me because um you know the catholic church is, is probably more strict than a lot of other you know a lot of other religions so i learned a lot of you know the yeah. out of those traditions and you know what you have to do and i can't eat meat on on friday and all that kind of stuff but it it's all it's all part of that structure i think that helps move you towards uh, a, a better relationship with God, if you're open to it, if you're open to it. Yeah, because it also sounds like what you're saying is that early on in your walk that uh, you were going more out of uh, discipline and now you're going more out of desire. For, for, for sure. Yeah. And how did that, uh, at what point did the mass switch for you from discipline to desire? Because I, I think that there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who who say I get bored with the mass. And, and for me, as someone who studied uh, faith and and listen to the the mass through the lens of our historic faith. Uh, it, there's so much there, but people don't know how to pray through it. Was there 
was there an aha moment when you were like, this stuff is life changing? Yeah. I mean, I, um, so Matthew Kelly has been a big, um, what I would call a kind of a spiritual mentor for me. Um, uh, I'm lucky enough to call him a friend and, and, um, you know, I started reading Rhythm of Life uh, almost every year, uh, right after the, you know, about 2005, 2006, and and then also, uh, you know, the four dynamic signs of a Catholic and those mm-hmm. kind of. So I got kind of involved in, you know, this un- better understanding of my my Catholic faith. And the mass was one where you kind of went out of obligation, or you were teaching your kids that it was important to go. And it kind of wasn't until I truly understood, you know, from from Matthew about how to pray through the mass. You're exactly right. You pray through the mass. And, you know, I don't do it every time. Sure. But I look at, you know, people say, well, you know, the mass isn't entertaining and I want to go to a more entertaining church. And that's fine if that's what you need to do. But I don't go to church to be entertained. I go to church to 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 thank, you know, my creator and to thank Christ for the life that I have, you know, it's almost like to me, it's my way of saying thank you. You know, I mean, how many times do you get to, you know, walk over and knock on your mom and dad's door and say, hey, thank you for giving me life, you know? And so I think of church, I think of the mass every every week as my way of being able to say thank you. And then, of course, you know, I go on Wednesday mornings, too, with a group of guys that um, that I've been doing that since 1999. And so I try to get an extra day in throughout the, the week because I think I need that reminder. And I think that plays a big role in how I live as a man of faith in my, you know, other things that I do and, you know, in my life, whether it be business or be a dad or, or show up at home or be a friend or all those different kind of things. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great point, Mike. You, I mean, you, you're one of the busiest guys I know. You're, you've got your hands on a lot of different things. You're constantly traveling, but yet you always make, seem to always make time for this group of guys and for your Wednesday mass. Tell everybody a little bit how that started and kind of where that came, uh, that desire to be in community came out of. Yeah, it was 1997, 1998. You know, I was a new parent. I had two uh, two daughters. Uh, it might even be Clayton was on the way in 99. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm not, you know, my dad was a fairly, you know, good Catholic dad, but what does it really mean to be a Catholic dad? What does it really mean to raise your kids in a Catholic faith? So I, I went out and, and I'm really big on mentors. I'm big on getting advisors, right? And that's why I have a Lutheran pastor as a you know, spiritual mentor, and I have Tony Miltenberger as a spiritual mentor, and be, because I need the diversity, and I'm not afraid to ask a question of somebody that might not see the world the way I see it. And so, I went out and uh, called on. I would say guys are about ten years older than me that had mm-hmm. kids that were older, and I said, "Look, can, let's get together." And it was really, I think it was five of us at the time. I said, "Let's get together and let's talk." And I'd love to learn how you guys and are raising, you know, children in the in the Catholic faith or in the Christian faith, and how, you know, what are some of the trials and tribulations? I mean, we talked about everything from spanking your kids to, you know, disciplining to where you send them to school. I mean, it was a wide range of things, um, and then it really just kind of morphed into more of a group of affiliation and service and and community service. So now we're up to forty five guys. Um, and that's incredible. 
Yeah, and you know, I probably could expand that much faster if I wanted to, but it's a this group of affiliation is important to me, so I want to make sure that whoever we bring into the group would be would be good for all of us, not just me, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why it's building much slower, but still 45, you know, men that are engaged in their Catholic faith, they get weekly emails, you know, we go to mass on Wednesdays. I would say there's a core group of 15 that go pretty much every Wednesday. But, you know, if I would blast out an email and say, hey, I need prayers for, you know, X, Y, Z, I get 45 guys emailing and responding back saying, you got the prayers where they're on their way, or we need to show up and do some service. It's It's been a great, you know, evolution of a group. And I don't know where the next evolution of that's going. I really don't. But I like the way it's going now, and it keeps me grounded in who I am. It gives me a lot of humility because um, I'm I'm not a guy I think that gets a lot of truth in a lot of areas of my life, and so I, I'm just one of the guys in this group, um, and it uh, it serves as a is a is a humble reminder that I'm you know a a, a father and and a and a and a, uh, and a husband and a man of God, you know, so. I love that. And I think that uh, you bring up a great point that a lot of times leaders, especially uh, leading organizations like you are, they don't often surrounded by people who are going to tell them the truth or or speak some of that courageous like life truth, not like business truth, but like, you know, check your heart kind of truth. How, how do you how do you interpret what it means to be a, a Christian entrepreneur and, and how does that uh, play out in your op, you know mode of operation? Yeah, well, you know, I think it starts with the basic golden rule, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. And, um, and I, you know, I always learn, you know, do your best, treat others with dignity, you know, be honest, do your best, and treat others with dignity and respect. I mean, that was the, the core three values that my dad had instituted in, in the Imes company when he was, you know, growing that. And, and so I've really carried those things over. And I figure if I'm honest with people and I treat them right, um, you know, I think that is, uh, you know, that that is the core of how you interact with people. And then when you go home at night and you look in the mirror and you say, did I do my best today? So I think those three value systems. And so, you know, it starts with that, I think. It, and, and that's to me, that's the golden rule. That's what Christ is asking us to do is is to interact with people and and try to help them become better versions of themselves. And so I don't own a business to make money. I mean, it's nice. Um, You know, we don't do all the things that we do. Uh, We do them because of what this platform allows us to do. What it allows us to do is sure live a, a, a nice life, but it allows us to employ people that, that, gives them a, them a path to become better versions of themselves. It allows us to give back both monetarily and through other resources to help grow the capacity of other uh, organizations in town where where they can do, you know, God's work, right? It, it's a vehicle in which our family stays united and comes together on like-minded issues, right? It's a platform. You know, so so what we do is a platform. So if I always keep that in mind, you know, I think I'm uh, I think I'm better off. I have above my whiteboard right behind me. You might be able to see it says a family, oh, yeah. says a family united forever on the top. 
And that's our family's vision statement. I, I b really believe that these small little cues that we see every day allow to, us to keep our, our, our mind in the right place. Um, you know, I have a, a crucifix in my office. I have one in our boardrooms. I have one, you know, anywhere where there's more of a kind of a public space. I don't believe it's my right to go in and tell everybody that they have to have it in their office. But sure, sure, sure. Me, I'm not afraid to have a crucifix or, or a cross or other things um, because they're small little reminders. You know, we pray before uh, meetings, um, not every meeting, but we pray before meetings. Um, and I, I think those are ways to show people that, hey, this is not just about us. It's it's a much bigger deal what we're dealing with here. And um, and only God can guide us in that in that endeavor, in my opinion. So I love that. And I, I love the way that you're uh, talking about your platform. Well, one of the things that uh, as I listen to you talk and, and I know how generous your family has been for for so many over the years how how do you as a, a Christian man um, deal with the pressure that you can't help everyone? Sometimes you have to say no. Um, I mean, obviously, your time is limited anyway. Uh, it feels like with the platform that, that that you guys have that that would be a source of angst. So it, it, how do you deal with that kind of like you can't help anyone or everyone? Yeah, and, and it is true. It comes up. And, and I'll tell you, Tony. I've been blessed to have the the two ends of the spectrum. So my dad, when he thinks about helping others, he always thinks about how do we get the model down where we can scale it? And that scale can help so many other people, right? So he's a scale to the nth degree kind of guy. And so his my whole life, I was watching him put models and things together where he can scale, whether he was serving on the board at Chaminade Julian High School or Aileron or any other nonprofit that he was involved in. He always thought about the model and how he could scale it, right? Mm -hmm. And my mom, on the other end of the spectrum, would go and she'd help one person. And then the next, when she's done with that, she'd walk to the next person and she'd help that person. And wow. then she done with that she'd help and she never worried about scale ever she was a mother Teresa model right yeah when I'm done helping that person then I'm going to move to the next person I'm going to help that person and I'm not going to worry about scale because I'm making a difference in that one person's life so I was able to I, I was able to watch those two things play out and how my mom and dad thought about those differently how they discussed those things differently how my mom used to yell at my dad because he was trying to make it more than it needed to be. And my dad yelled at my mom saying, but it's so great. It could be bigger. Right. That's, that's awesome. And so there's this, and I don't think you ever get rid of that. I don't, I don't think there's a, there's an antidote for that anxiety that exists between those two things because they're both right. They're both right. You know, Jesus went and helped people one-on-one, -on -one, right? But it wasn't until Peter and Paul, when this thing just completely got blown out into, you know, a, a, a faith that, you know, and so without Peter and Paul, Christ probably, you know, the Christian message probably doesn't go as far, right? But Christ taught us that help this person model, that Mother Teresa model. So you need both. You need that, that conflict between the two because that's how great things happen. That's how great things happen individually, and that's how great organizations are put together to scale and help more people. So I don't think you ever get rid of it. And, and I think the more that you're comfortable with that anxiety and comfortable with that tension, 
the the better off you're going to be because you're going to you're going to be flexible enough to think about it differently. You know, we got some people in our family that think individually, and we got some people in our family that think much much more broadly. And I bring both of them to the table to help me figure out a multitude of issues that we have in our family because I need the perspective of both. And being able to live in that ambiguity, I think, is important. And 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 there's examples of how that's played out in faith, you know, over the years. As I listen to you talk, one of the things that uh, keeps coming up over and over again is this idea about working with the family. So just from a purely personal standpoint, I you know I love my family, but working with them sounds really <laughs> overwhelming. How, how does it, how's that work for you guys? Uh, any any tips for people that are like, oh, I want to do ministry, or I want to do business with my family. Um, Karen and I joke all the time that we can never work together because we're both uh-huh. that type A personality. We, we both have control issues. So uh, how how do you guys as a family work through that? A lot of love and, and a lot of um, and a lot of disagreement. But you know, I would say Tony, the number one thing is look whether you and Karen work together or not, whether you screamed at each other or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. The the commitment to the marriage. Mm. And the commitment to stay at the table is the most important thing. Oh, that's good. Oh, and so when when our family, when we're all sitting around at the table, everybody's present. You know, for for 27 years, we've been having family council meetings twice or three times a year. Everybody keeps showing up. Now, not every time because they've got this going on or that going on, but the commitment to showing up and going through the hardness of, 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 being together as a family because it's not all kumbaya as you know of course um, but that commitment goes a long way right so we can scream and yell at each other and go through training and education and make decisions and all those kind of things not everybody's happy with them but you know what next time we have a meeting everybody's there why because we're committed to a family united forever we're committed to this being together we're committed to our vision and um, and so once again i don't wallow in the hardness of it because it's just hard i mean it, it it's only hard it's it, you know i can do a lot of hard things yeah so only hard right and if i can just get over the hardness of it the the purpose of it is far outweighs right the hardness of it so um oh that's great do hard things keep showing up focus on the vision but it's you know it's very similar to your faith keep showing up you know, imagine how faithful I would be if I just stopped going to mass every week. You know, right. it's that showing up piece. It's that commitment piece that that's important. And uh, then that discipline and structure that you put in your life, the environment that you surround yourself with that keeps you moving in a positive direction. And I truly believe that God wants us to become the best version of ourselves. Yeah. And and so for me, that structure is really important. That 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 keep showing up mentality is important. Um, and so that's how that's how I get through it. Let's put it that way. I don't like it, but it's but it's only hard. It's only hard. I like that. It's only hard. We do hard things all the time. It's only all, hard all the time. Do you have any um, like daily routines that you couldn't live without to help you grow and just your your balance in terms of like how you show up at work, how you show up as a leader and, and a father and a husband, any practical, someone's like, man, I really want to grow in these areas. What would you say are some of the practical things that you do that have helped you grow? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mentioned too, which was the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the Wednesday mass, the Wednesday sure. 
between. I, I think uh, other Christian faiths do it really well with Bible studies on Wednesday night and other things like that. So um, obviously Mass, you know, on Sundays. Um, I think, you know, in general, who are you surrounding yourself with? You know, are you, are you creating an environment in your life that is that is one that helps you move towards where you're going? Right. And if it isn't, then you need to kind of get rid of those things in the environment that aren't allowing you to move in that direction. Right. Um, but I would say, you know, I get up pretty consistently every morning at 530. Um, you know, I'm supposed to be doing this uh, Luke Axe thing with my spiritual mentor, Tony Miltenberger, that I'm falling a little behind. In You're doing great. And, and actually, we're almost done. We get to go to the Old Testament after this. I'm gay. If you told me I'd have read all of Paul's letters, uh, I, you know, I'd say you'd be you'd be crazy. You know, but I did it, didn't I? So it's great. Um, so doing that, you know, I try to, um, you know, I have I have a couple of emails that I subscribe to that that come every morning. So I, I read through those. Uh, one is a uh, is a Catholic reading uh, for the Mass that day. Um, once in a while, I'll say the Rosary. You know, usually it's during Lent where I'll where I'll get into a, a novena or or a Rosary type thing, and then just spending just a little bit of time in silence. And, and, and it's another thing I heard from Matthew Kelly is you know, God talks to you in silence, so be quiet and listen. And it's amazing what what comes through your head and some days I do that 10 minutes and some days I can sit for an hour you know in in my office at home and just absorb whatever and uh, so those are a couple of routines I guess in the morning and that gets my day started and then I think I'm better I show up better for other people when I do that and I do notice that when I don't do that I do not show up well um, and so that's one working out I think is an important thing getting that body body moving I uh, try to do that in the morning as well. Um, do you guys and, have any anything with your kids or with Michelle that you do on a um, to help keep the faith in the middle of that? I mean, aside from going to mass together, which I know yeah, you guys do. Usually, usually in during uh, the the Advent season and the Lenten season, uh, we try to do something. Um, you know, in the Lent, it's a little easier because we all sit around and talk about what we're going to give up, but it ends up being much more than that. As of you know. course, yeah. And then um, the uh, you know we, we'll pray before each meal. We'll pray when we're out in the restaurant, um, and we'll make the sign of the cross and all that kind of stuff. And and you know once again it's just a small little simple reminder that it's not really about us. It's about something a lot bigger than us. So I love that. So one of the questions I love to ask all my guests. We can probably do more. To be honest with you, and I'm open to suggestions. But you know. The kids are starting to live their own life. And I, you know, I look at it and go, you know, look, we, you know, we're not with our kids. I got three kids in college. All three of them are in Catholic schools. And my thinking is, are they going to mass? You know, and they're going to mass. So, you know, OK, you know, that that's one barometer. It's not the entire barometer, but it is a barometer. Right. And I think it's interesting that 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 is playing out in their lives as well. Right. So that that's an important thing for us. So but certainly it's a great indicator. In no way. I mean, like you said, it, it kept you from going off the rails. And, you know, I know as a parent that I pray that faith will keep my kids from going off the rails, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way. Yeah. Uh, so one of the questions I love to ask all my guests is if you could look back uh, and give your younger self a piece of advice, you're looking at young Mike. Maybe right before you get drafted to the expos, you're, yeah. li- you know, you're living, 
your best life there and your dreams are all in front of you. What's one piece of advice looking back that you would tell yourself uh, now? Well, just one. I, I have, I really kind of have three. I'll know? hit them all then. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, you know, one is um, don't take yourself so seriously, right? I mean, things happen, you know, you trip and fall a lot, you know, don't think you're the only one in the world that's ever tripped and fall. You know, I mean, don't take yourself so seriously. Don't think the entire world revolves around you. You know, you're not the only one that's given up a home run ball, you know, that kind of thing. Um, number two would be that, um, um, that be patient. Things come in, things come in God's time, not your time. Mm. No, they, we try to rush things. Sorry, I got this stuff going on. Uh, these, these kids, they, uh, you know, they try to uh, they try to rush things. And I think when you try to rush things, you, you know, you don't get you don't allow for things to come because what happens later in life is so much greater than what can happen, you know, in in that in that span of things. And then I just probably just lost my other one. But I'll I'll, I'll think of it. I'll tell you. But I think Perfect. And we'll include it in the show notes. We'll also include in there a link to some of Matthew Kelly's stuff. If, if anybody wants to read some of his books, I've read a couple and they're phenomenal books, yeah. uh, not just for Catholics, but for all Christians, really. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a great uh, view on, on life and all that stuff. Mike, if, if anybody wanted to um, kind of see what you're doing now or follow up with you, is there a way that uh, we recommend people get in contact with you or. Well, I'm, I'm more of a LinkedIn user than anybody. And, sure. um, and so I, yeah, I post a few things, not much, um, but uh, that's usually where where I'm at. Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm I'm not too I'm not too social in the in that spectrum. So that's all right. Uh, it's it's your intentionality because you want to be intentional about the people you're around. Emmanuel, uh, you can see me at Emmanuel Catholic Church every Wednesday morning at 7:30. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time today, man. I really appreciate it. It's good stuff. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. God bless. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my conversation with Mike. I hope you found it as life-giving as I did. In order to stay in contact with the show, the best thing that you can do is subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts. I'd also love it if you could leave a review for us to help others find the conversation. Maybe even share this episode with somebody who might need to hear some of the things that Mike had to say. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your thoughts, your comments, all the kind words. It is such an honor to serve you as we continue to grow together and what it means to reclaim the balance of faith and life. Like what you heard? Please take a minute to rate and share so others like you can find good practices for faith and life.